How about now? Is this better? Yes. Okay. Okay. Let us begin. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Taala, and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay. So we were at Ayat twenty. Uh, no, we were at Ayat twenty-one, looking at this Ayat about people who were rejecting the eyes of Allah and killing the prophets, and and also killing those who who were establishing justice. And so we had extensive discussion about the language usage. And so now let us continue further. Once again, let me know that you can see the Quran on your screen. Okay, very good. So, right here, I 22. So, uh, they're the ones whose deeds have been wasted, worthless, in this dunya and in the akhira. And for them, there are no helpers. Okay, so that would follow when we're speaking about, about the people in the previous ayah who are doing these horrendous things, right? Rejecting the eyes of Allah, killing prophets, and killing the people of justice. So, no matter what good they do, their akhira, their weight, their scales in the akhira are going to be completely empty. That I think um, isn't too much of a stretch uh, of of the imagination to to, to accept. Yeah. But what do you make of the argument? that what if someone just completes the first one, those who reject the ayahs of Allah, all their deeds are worthless. So the argument we were working with yesterday was that uh, a person is doing all three of these or that there's a common element in all three of these. But what if we look at these as or? So at those who... Uh, uh, so the wa, the wa here is not necessarily meaning that they're doing one and two and three. They're rejecting the ayahs of Allah. Their deeds are worthless. Uh, Muthab is asking, are these ayahs such are these ayahs such as the previous ayah dribbly pointing to Bani Israel? I don't think that's the case in this surah. Uh, uh, that uh, can that argument can be made to in Al Baqarah. Uh, here we can possibly make this argument for the people of the book in general. Uh, Asim. Um, when we talk about rejecting the verses, um, how does that apply? Like, would you have to hear the verses to reject them? As yeah. in, yeah, as in, does someone, does someone have to like, do, do the verses themselves have to be conveyed or is disbelief rejection enough? 
So I would go with the argument here that it's disbelief. So it's rejection. Rejection of our ayahs means rejection of faith. And so how does that change things for you, Austin? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the question is, so like when we, when we talk about a lot of uh, modern atheism and especially new atheism, that, like there's never been a, an attempt to understand the verses and then like, like it feels like rejecting the verses is a much more active process, right? You have to, you have to first learn and understand the verses and then you reject them. Okay. as opposed to just rejecting belief overall, which is, um, I think, much easier to do. Okay. All right. Any your thoughts, reflections? Molson and Sari saying it sounds reasonable if someone is rejecting with knowledge, meaning that they know what they're rejecting. Sure. And so think about the consequences that we're saying here. Potentially, if we're only including the first rejection here, meaning not the, not the killing and such, that we have someone who is upright in terms of conduct, tremendously upright from a dunya perspective, but potentially their deeds are worthless. Isn't this point implicit? And isn't this point implied in how we understand the deen? Any thoughts? Yeah, awesome. I'm not sure if I'm understanding the question correctly, but if okay. someone's rejecting and they and they're still doing good deeds, then this is kind of that point we've been talking about for um, probably a week now, at least. That you're if you're not doing good deeds for the pleasure of a lava for whatever other reason, mm -hmm. then you get your reward out of getting that ends out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so it's, it seems like, yeah, they don't, those, those deeds as good as they may be, don't carry any weight in the Ahira that, mm -hmm. that this is that line of reasoning we've been following for a while mm -hmm. now. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the, the, the proposition that I'm suggesting. And an example would be someone who says, no, I don't believe in the Quran. I believe in the Bible. And let's say, I don't care what the Quran says. I believe in the Bible. Let's say someone takes this approach. And they turn out to be very consistently upright people. Uh, Salia, you had your hand raised. Um, rethinking my question. I mean, uh, comment. Oh, it was sure. just basically um about the weight of just saying la ilaha illallah when it comes to the deeds it is heavier than you know multitude of deeds um it is said um so if we look at the weight of just that one thing just the belief in the tawhid um i guess it's you know that outdoes everything else so kind of like brings us to a point that yes you know if it has so much weight then no matter what you do if you 
if you are not actively consciously believing uh, in one God um, or the God itself, then uh, nothing would really matter because whatever you are doing in this world, I mean, both of them, in my in my view, I think that both of them are necessary. Uh, what it's are the two? Not, what are the two you're pointing to? Uh, the, the good deeds, as well as the faith in 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 God. You know, okay. so you have to accept both the both do both both of them in order in, to in order to uh, have salvation. You know, because we have been talking about that. So I was thinking about that. So, it, I mean, yes, uh, we can we can think about Allah's mercy and his fairness. And surely he will. But the it's the first requirement. Like, he is the one who has asked us to do the good deeds in the first place. So, like, you know... Okay. If rejecting him would make any sense, even if you, I mean, would even matter if you are doing something or not. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm like really um, articulating what I'm thinking. That's why I wanted to like take a minute and and say it. Maybe, maybe next keep... time take a minute and then you can. I know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But yeah, um, I'm going to think more on that uh, so that I can articulate it better. Okay. And then wait more for your five five minute uh, thinking out loud. Okay, very good. Uh, any other thoughts, reflections on, on this point? That uh, potentially we are saying that if someone is rejecting the eyes of Allah, then if they're rejecting faith, then their work is, from the Akhira perspective, irrelevant. Yeah. And, and I'm saying very, very, very scary things. These are literally just about the most scary things that we can conceive of. And so I also, there's no way for me to articulate how heavy it is what I'm saying here, that it's easy for us to, to reflect upon. Any other thoughts, reflections? Either, either this is so heavy that it's too hard to to want to uh, further explore, or we're just waiting for Ramadan to end. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Who's getting um, the, the, the award for class participation here? Go ahead. Yeah, um, that that last part of the of the ayah, the um, you know, they have no one to help them. Um, that goes. Uh, that goes back to the to Al Fatiha, right? The Yakanabudu Oh, so you mean like you know, you alone we ask for help in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is this is this a? I guess we don't really know, but is it considered a purposeful callback? Well, um, as a reference, uh, the Quran repeatedly talks about people who will have no one to help them on the day of judgment. Right. And so we have this uh, in Al-Baqarah, we have this here, and I'm sure we have it uh, elsewhere. Uh, there are a number of things that are repeated for the people who are doomed on the Day of Judgment. They will have no, they will have no helpers. They want people to buy their way out. 
no one's going to be able to stand in for them, right? No one's going to intercede for them in here. No one is going to help them. Those yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the interesting thing about this is how uh, comforting it is when it's you alone, alone, we turn to for help mm-hmm. versus how scary it is when they say, yeah, you have no one left to help you. You have nobody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, would anyone want to push back and argue that uh, this language is so fierce, it could only apply to someone who's doing all three? What do you think? Because I will suggest that the sentiment, whether it's accurate or not in our community by and large, is that it would be any of the three reject ayahs, of course, killing prophets and of course, killing the people of, of justice uh, in erase your salvation. I mean, I, for sake of the heaviness of this, would want it to be someone who commits all three is the one who is losing everything. But uh, what we will find out is what are the exact terms of Allah's uh, judgment. Uh, Stephanie Mirza. Well, if you're doing any one of these things, I, I don't see them as being exclusive. If you're slaying people, then you're obviously not following the the revelation, mm-hmm. and um, you're obviously not following a prophet. So I, I see them as just overlapping, and I don't see where one stops and the next one starts. Mm-hmm but not even the possibility of rejecting um, ayat, but not doing horrible things. Is that, is that possible? Oh yeah, yeah. Y- you mean getting punished even though you haven't killed anyone and you just didn't accept the revelation? Yeah, so I'm basically saying from a dunya perspective, uh, um, I've been an upright person my whole life, mm-hmm. uh, but um, in my history, I've also rejected faith, rejected the revelation. So ever since you've been speaking about this, uh, I keep coming to this thought and I have no idea about this person's faith, but it makes me think of Bill Gates, Okay, you know, someone who has, you know, of course amassed a lot of money, but he's also donated a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He's worked to eradicate you know, diseases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in terms of deeds, he's probably piled a lot of deeds up. Mm -hmm. But I have no idea what the condition of his heart is, or if he's ever, I mean, he's obviously encountered a lot of Muslims, I'm sure in his life. I mean, working Um, in IT, yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, if he doesn't care if there's a hereafter, or isn't the least bit interested in, um, you know, following that, then so what? So that might be still a consequence. Yeah. Uh, Mahmoud and then Tawseef. I have two things to say. Uh, The first thing, the order of of the act itself, it started with the biggest one, which is rejecting God's ayat. So... Anything after that would not make any difference. You, you so have you're to, saying everything, no matter what else, everything else is small compared to that. Okay. Yeah, uh, and also the second thing is, 
from the language of the area, it's, it's, uh, it has a sense of continuity. So that means they keep killing the prophet, not just like yeah. hit it once and that's it. So um, yeah. I would say you do any one of the three and insisting on it. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the three. This is this one trying to say. I kind of disagree with what you say. Okay, so it feels like it's all one because of the wa and then wa. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Tausif. Yeah, um, along the same lines of Mahmoud, um, I kind of get the same sense when reading the ayat. But I mean, to your point, though, it is a heavy and weighty thing that it's hard to wrap your mind around. And we've had this discussion, like Asim said, throughout the class yes. about uh, knowing Allah. So in our understanding of reality, to know, to come to this realization that he is the most just. And then um, the scenario that you applied, like we see it elsewhere in the Quran, uh, would the verse in Surah Kahf apply? Which one? So, so uh, it's, oh, you're talking about an ayah earlier, okay. In, uh, that's, that's near the beginning, right? That's like around ayah 11. It's, um, here, I popped it up. Let's see, yeah. it's 10. Oh, that was in the right place. 103, 104. Yeah. So here it uh, looks like it fits. Let's uh, let's look at some eyes before and after for context. Can you all uh, see the 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 eyes on my screen? So yeah, here, they're the ones who rejected the eyes of Allah and of meeting him. So their deeds have gone to waste. So it sounds very similar and uh, involves no murder here. So, so yeah, they're basically saying, no, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in the day of judgment. Nay. So that would even support Mahmoud's point. Yeah. And did you want to add anything else? Um, it's just it's just a tough thing to to um, to reconcile with, you know, because of our notions of justice today. And uh, mm-hmm. um, but it's maybe speaks to our lack of understanding the weightiness of the rejection of Ayatollah. And, and, and so now let me change the scenario. What if you have someone who believes in Allah? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, so, Saadi, to restate uh, Mahmoud's point. Um, so, the ayah says three things. They reject the ayahs of Allah, they kill prophets unjustly, and they kill the the uh, the people who do the work of justice. So, so Mahmoud made two arguments. One is that the first one is the biggest one of them all. So, the second two are small compared to rejecting the eyes of Allah. And then he's also saying that there's a continuity here, that if you're doing this, then the, the next conclusion is going to be doing this and, and the other things. So, okay. So scenario two is what if you have someone who believes in Allah? And so I'm saying monotheism, radical monotheism, the way we believe in Allah, 
but they reject the prophet, peace be upon him. Would that be the same thing here? Thoughts? Is it the same thing? So let's say the person, they probably won't say the first half of the Shahada, but they believe in the first half of the Shahada, but they don't accept the prophethood of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Mahmoud. Uh, our kind of Islam is, is, is five, the pillar of Islam is five, and, and one of them is the Shadon Laylah Muhammad Rasulullah. So in a way we have to accept the prophet in order to be Muslim. So it's, it cannot be divided. So I would say, yes, you're going to end up in the same result. Yeah. And, and to Mohsen and point, it's even simpler than that. If they're rejecting the ayahs of Allah, meaning they're rejecting the Quran, then by extension, they're rejecting the Prophet, peace be upon him. So another point, which is just to establish it in our conversation, is that you can't have half of the Shahada. You have to have the full Shahada. Okay. Now, Scenario number three. So scenario number one is that they reject, they reject this, they reject Allah, they reject faith. Scenario number two is they reject the prophet, peace be upon them. Scenario number three is what if they didn't reject anything until after you gave them the message? So they're living life, whatever, whatever uh, approach or belief system they have. And then you introduce Islam to them and they thoroughly understand it, or seem to, or I mean, for, in terms of, yes, they thoroughly understand it in their heart. And they say, no, I don't want this. Yeah. So had you not introduced Islam to them, technically, they would not have rejected. So what do you think of this scenario? Yeah, awesome. Um, this is maybe a bit off base, but it would make me feel like it was my fault. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, um, me the message, you know, it, it, it's the idea of, it's kind of what we say about modern Islam, right? Like that, that the, the Dean is perfect and we are not. Mm -hmm. And so that's, and so if, if I, it, it, this has been a thing I've been grappling with for some time because like, you know, the whole thing about doing dawah, like, do I know enough? And mm -hmm. if, if I, if I don't, and I bring this to someone and then they reject, it feels like that should be on me. Mm -hmm. So I would make a, so, so there's two points. I think I'm hearing it, what you're just saying right now. One is if you have given them a proper uh, understanding of Islam, and so they've gotten from you a proper understanding of Islam, and they say no, you're feeling like it's your fault, because otherwise they wouldn't have said no. But then the other part of what you're saying is, um, do I know enough? So then if you're not giving them a proper understanding of Islam because of your lack of knowledge, then they're not rejecting Islam. You know what I'm saying? That... You know, they're, they're rejecting whatever it is I've given them. Exactly. And if I don't have that understanding, then it's not really Islam. Yeah. Even if I think it is. Yeah, yeah. 
that's you, that that's a lot scarier. I, I don't think that's as comforting as you maybe thought it would be. Oh no, no, I'm just you know drawing two points here because uh, even even when we've been having a discussion you know throughout the whole course that there might be multiple paths, multiple understandings. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're all legitimate. I mean, it also doesn't mean that they're all illegitimate, but it doesn't mean that they're all legitimate. Uh, Stephanie Mercer says, this goes back to your earlier session. Uh, oops, I just got. Uh, this goes back to your earlier session of free, uh, fate and predestination. You don't know what their choice will be. You're only responsible to give the message. This would be the answer that I would give to that point, that fundamentally they are still the one making the choice. Um, where to go? Uh, you're only responsible. There were people around the Prophet who rejected him. Was that his fault? Of course not. Yeah. And then Ashto is saying, You can't reject what you don't know. Growing up in a small town in Ohio, I didn't know what a Muslim was, and I had never seen one in real life until I was almost 30 working in corrections. Mm. I believe them saying no is just fear of the unknown. My first experience was so confusing because it was so different than how I grew up. Sometimes it takes a few times of hearing the knowledge. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Uh, Lace. Oh, I'm sorry, I lowered my hand. Um, oh, okay. What I was going to say was along the lines of what Austin was saying. Yeah, and so, so yeah, you giving the message would definitely not be, um, you know, your fault. It would be uh, the equivalent of someone who is hungry and you're giving them food and they say no. And they don't know that they're hungry. You're giving them the food for their survival. You know, you're giving them the vaccine. I mean, it literally sounds like, you know, all the goofy, um, or perhaps goofy is not the right word, ridiculous vaccination stories or corona stories that doctors have been sharing. Like uh, the doctor in the ER who tells the patient, you have corona. And the patient's like, what? Yeah, you have, the, you have COVID-19. And the patient says, how can I have it? I don't believe it's a real thing. We'll see. You know, there is this idea and I've entertained it, which is that Allah looks at the individual striving. So we have these verses that are pretty clear and categorical, but um, what do you think of that? position i guess i don't know if it was bakalani or someone in the past some scholar i'm sure there's scholars that have all sorts of opinions but the mainstream normative one that we are familiar with Ghazali's and others who uh you know broke that down but um but the idea that um you know if they strove for the truth mm -hmm. that that's that's what allah looks at and then mm -hmm. counts so, so that would be like the, the story of the, the guy who killed 99 people, right? And, and there's, two, there's at least two variants of the story. One uh, I'm remembering too, but uh, I think most people are familiar with it, but just to put everybody on the same page. He kills 99 people, he feels remorse. And so then he, he finds this monk and he asks the monk, okay, is there any hope for me? And the monk says, no, you're doomed. So what does the man do? He kills him. And, and then... He comes across a scholar and asks the same thing, is there any hope for me? The scholar says, yes, of course. And, and so the, the man is repenting. So that's one story. The other version of the story is that this man uh, is, remor is full of remorse and he asks the first person, 
First person says, no, you're doomed. He kills him. Second person says, yes, but you have to get out of this town that's making you crazy and go to another town where it's uh, much more peaceful. And, and so he's leaving and then he dies halfway to the town. And so now the angels are debating, uh, you know, the one angel which will be taking him to hell, the other angel which will be taking him to, to salvation, are debating who gets to have him. And so, because he's really exactly at the midpoint. And so then they go to Allah, and Allah puts him on the, uh, counts him as one of the people who is striving for repentance. And, and so, uh, how would you apply that then to this ayah? So if they're striving, so I think the argument is easy if we're speaking of someone with corrupt character. And it's almost like we don't even feel as bad. You know? uh, and so I am basically raising the hypothetical case. Is it possible to be a rejecter of faith and still sustain good character? And again, not saying someone who has not been exposed to the message. Is it possible to be someone who rejects faith? And what seems to be the case throughout the Quran is the answer is no. That it is not possible to be someone who rejects faith and sustain good character. Is it possible to have uh, good faith and never reject it? That seems to be possible. Uh, late. So, I mean, when you say that, I keep coming back to this, I mean, idea of like what we're defining as rejection of yeah. faith. Because I mean, the example is given of perhaps, you know, maybe Bill Gates or, or someone kind of who, who is known for their good deeds. But I mean, don't we just see the vast majority of people who are interacting with the ayats of Allah as just kind of, maybe wrestling with them over the course of their lives uh, or, you know, it's, it's not like belief or rejection is this black and white uh, concept that there's just these steps towards belief uh, and in accepting like the ayat of Allah. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm modeling it. Um, I think I need uh, more um, explanation. Uh, explain further if you can. Let's start from zero again. Explain again. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so basically where I'm starting at is just, you're saying that throughout the Quran, this is pretty, uh, pretty standard that those who, uh, reject know, the sign are, are repeatedly spoken about as people of bad character. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so you're asking, so is it possible to be a Kafir outright and have any semblance of good character? Yeah. Uh, I need, I need to think more on this. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, uh, it's one of those things that I don't know if we can actually uh, come up with an answer, uh, like in, uh, in uh, even a study to figure out how the, how we would find an answer. Uh, let's see, Mahmoud and then Asim. Uh, I would say theoretically you can, but when it come down, the time come down to like a, a like critical situation this good character will go away because there is no control and this is the role of faith or religion to put control over this manners like and it's a sort of a lock uh awesome um so i think that my question is 
uh, along the same lines as what Leith said, uh, but uh, also how are we defining good character? So, I mean, so good character would be uh, essentially within the definitions provided within the Dean itself, which most of, most of which would be consistent in terms of, of how we look at it in our society. Um, um, but good character itself is very, very, very vague, yes. Yeah, I, I also, I think the, the question of character uh, always comes down to what your character is rooted in. Yeah. And, and so for a, a lot of people, you know, if, if you can't root your character in, uh, in the Dean, then, and, and if we're, um, if we're sort of accepting that as the core of good character and it's not rooted in the Dean, then yeah, it's, it's impossible because uh, I think uh, similar to what Mahmoud said that, you know, when push comes to shove, there's nothing holding it down. Mm-hmm. There's nothing anchoring your character. And, and also relate to this point is that all your actions will be judged by intentions, right? All your actions will have intentions that are part of them. And this is the point we we're making at the beginning, right? Uh, if my intention for my good deed is to feel good about myself, then I have nothing to expect on the day of judgment. If my intention is to impress people, then I have nothing to expect on the day of judgment. If my intention is to do a good deed just because it's a good deed, then I have nothing to expect on the day of judgment. That would be the logical conclusion. We would hope for the rahma of Allah for, for all good. Uh, Mohsen? No, I was just kind of trying to answer the uh, the, the good character part. It's, I think it's, it, and you answered it, it's really good deeds, right? It's the amilus salihat part of the, right? Aminu amilus salihat. So without faith, but uh, just, the, just, the, just the, the deeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mustab, uh, can you explain the answer you gave to, to Stephanie? Um, explain um, uh, this further, either type it or, or, or say it to us, inshallah. Uh, awesome. Um, I, I, I kind of want to push back on, on what you just said about, like, you know, you're doing good deeds just to do good deeds. Mm-hmm. The, what I'm saying is, like, isn't that still good character? even if it's not anchored in something that's still good character. And so, uh, you know, we can say, yeah, but when push comes to shove, it's not, you know, there's no root to it and therefore it'll crumble. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you don't ever have the opportunity for that to happen, then like, then, then why, why are we assuming that your character is not going to be good when push comes to shove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's also a fair point because this is all hypothetical, uh, right? Uh, uh, reflection on human nature. Yeah, right. Okay, is there another way to read this? And so what I'm saying here is that I can look at at these two ayahs and maybe feel some relief for myself, okay, or some principles, okay, I better not go in that direction at all. Okay. Um, uh, uh, or should I read this as saying that, okay, there are some people who, no matter how horrible they are in this world, 
I should not let myself get too upset. So we've been reading it, you know, from, from a particular slant. Does this mean that, okay, such and such hypothetical person is going to go to hell, no matter how good their actions are? Or is it just possible that this is saying, you know, looking at the context of, of what's before and after, that, hey, there are some people um, who are in this world, and it may seem like they're doing it may be that they have power and success in this world, but don't get too worried. They have nothing waiting for them on the other side. Meaning that maybe this ayahs don't have anything to do with datwa or anything like that. Rather, it's saying that those who have dominance and success in this world, that means nothing in terms of what they will have in the Anakhira. It is possible that that's also what we are meant to understand from this. So, let's just look at this. Uh, 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 in fact, maybe it's 537. We'll stop right here. Does anyone have any more thoughts, reflections? Because this is uh, 23 and 24 is going to add a whole big conversation on its own. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think the most comforting way to interpret what you just said is that if we look at it as all are equal, you know, that, that you, you everyone has an equal chance to have, a, you know, to have all they would like in the in the Akhira, then that's really comforting. But the, the idea that, you know, people amass all this wealth and stuff in this world and it doesn't mean anything in the hereafter that's not that comforting because it has nothing to do uh, this sounds really selfish but it has nothing to do with me it doesn't you know i'm not i'm not out here making a billion dollars and so the today. the huh today. today yeah i don't know if i want to either but uh you know like i mean we've said bill gates's name a bunch his his Akhira has little to do with mine. Yeah, but if Akhira has nothing to do with yours, yeah. I mean that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. That's that's what I'm saying is that there's there's no commonality between him and I. But if and so it it it's not the the if if that's the reading we're talking about, then this ayah has has like not that much impact for me like like in in reading it but if if what we're saying is yeah like you know all, all he has all this stuff in the dunya but in the akhira um you know i have the opportunity to do even better mm -hmm. then that's comforting um yeah i i also have another uh, another question uh, about sort of judgment and akhira is you you say that you know on on the day of judgment everyone is treated completely fairly um do we have any understanding of whether we'll like get that fairness as in will i understand it to be fair or will i see it and still say like woe is me i mean um you will see your judgment being very clearly fair, but you will still be saying, woe is me, inshallah not, inshallah not. But the point is that you will recognize that no uh, bit of unfairness is, is being applied. Right? That okay. all the 
so to speak, the, the T's have been crossed and the I's have been dotted. Okay, so taking it a step further, will I understand the fairness? As in, as in, you know, the whole the whole you idea understand of it completely. Okay, okay, okay. So the idea of like, uh, you know, you know, when people talk about suffering and stuff, and and it's mm-hmm. often like, okay, you're you're just you're trying to apply human understanding to uh, sort of divine wisdom. We will understand the divine wisdom. Our level of understanding will be raised. Uh, in terms of, of fairness, yes. Yeah, okay. And cool. will we have all the answers that we're seeking? That also seems to be a common belief. Like not only all the answers we're seeking, but even all the answers to the questions we didn't realize we were asking. And that could be, I mean, that at the end of the day is going to be this core answer to a lot of these questions. But as I hope you all see that what's, what, when we put all this in the real world, it's still raising the fundamental question. Those of us who have non-Muslim relatives in our family, you know, what does this mean? We already understand regarding the Muslim relatives of our family that um, you know, we don't know who's getting salvation, who's not, including ourselves. But there's a sense that they have a pathway that they know. Uh, yeah, for the non-Muslim relatives and non-Muslim friends and neighbors and such, does that then increase a certain obligation that we have to them? And there isn't a definitive answer here. Right. Uh, see if you raise your hand. Or just yeah, could you just uh, re- repeat um, the reading here? You said that it could also be meant uh, to be understood as referring to those who amassed wealth and prestige in this dunya. So, so this this whole section uh, is about people rejecting, and they have enough power that they're killing prophets or killing the people of justice. Right. And and so, you know, think uh, if we apply to a real world situation, you know, the architect of a genocide, or the person is overseeing a genocide. Yeah. Uh, that as much as uh, that can torment us, the fact that they're getting away with it. Yeah. You know, just think of the institutional structural racism in our society. And the fact that they're getting away with in this world means nothing about what's in store for them for the Akhira. And so this could be a statement of Rahma for the people who are trying to do the work of justice. The people who are opposing you, you know, they're fundamentally, or they're opposing justice, I'll say, they're fundamentally, they're not going to get away with it in the end. And so it would be as though we'd add uh, uh, a commentary here to say that likewise, all the victims are, you know, their lives have not been squandered. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely more so, to think about. Yeah, so I'm saying it's uh, perhaps it's not even raising you know this question that I've been raising for for the past forty minutes about about salvation as much as it's making the point that okay, you know the people who are opposing justice will be facing a law, mm-hmm. and they aren't getting away with it as much as it looks like in this world they're getting away with it by living a comfortable life. Then I think uh, uh, I think uh, 
uh, it seems to become much more straightforward than as an IOF that all of us can identify with with real world examples. But there's still going to be another dimension we're going to be looking at this when we get into the next two IAs, is in the same way that, you know, so I mentioned the, the first day when we were beginning Ali Imran, that there is a notion that Al-Baqarah is a call to the Jews to embrace the Prophet, peace be upon him, and Ali Imran is a call to the Christians to embrace the Prophet, peace be upon him. Modern, modern Jews, modern Christians, all knows best, but definitely the people at their time. And so the next few eyes will be speaking about people of the book, specifically who are then rejecting and such. And, and we'll get into those discussions as well. Any other questions or thoughts, reflections as we enter our final two days? Okay, okay. So, so the goal for tomorrow, inshallah, is is to go through Ayah 23 and 24. And we might get into Ayah 25, but then after that, uh, we'll spend, uh, oops, sorry, we'll, on Tuesday, inshallah, our goal is to then sum up what we've covered in the Surah, first by looking at what was stated about Allah Ta'ala, and then, and then these other aspects, uh, the little parts within it, so. Put it all together, inshallah, on Tuesday. Alrighty. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah tell the word you all, inshallah, and hopefully we'll have a lot more energy. Monday and Tuesday. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.